Have you thought this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll never make any money doing that. How are you going to pay the mortgage? Just get a job. Are you going to try to settle that? Why can't you be normal like anybody else? All right. Were your parents morons too? The savvy entrepreneur to the rescue. Congratulations. That really turned out well. I'm really good job. I'm getting ready. I'm Good morning, all you entrepreneurs and small business people. You're listening to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. The show has two goals to share helpful information and resources for entrepreneurs. I made so many mistakes as an entrepreneur, and I've seen lots that clients or friends have made. So if I can help just one of you avoid a couple of those, then I've been successful. The second goal is to inspire. I found being an entrepreneur was confusing, often lonely, You have no idea sometimes if you're on the right track or not, or where to turn for good advice. So to help with that, I have guests on the show every week to share their stories and their advice. And this week's guest is Annette Gilchrist. She is the founder or the co-founder and CEO of a company called My Genome RX. She's joined me this week to talk about her story as an entrepreneur and her journey. Annette, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on The Savvy Entrepreneur. Thanks, Doris. Thanks for having me. Start out by telling people just a little bit about you, who you are as a person, and you know what makes you tick, some things that might help people understand how you came to start and um, and grow this company? Sure. So I am originally from Oklahoma. I was uh, born and raised in Oklahoma City, and I actually received my undergraduate degree in biology in Oklahoma. And I was interested in genetics, but um, the University of Oklahoma didn't have a great genetics program at the time. And I actually went out of state. I looked around and decided on the University of Connecticut, um, where I went and received a master's degree in biochemistry. Um, At the time, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I uh, was pre-med and had thought about pursuing uh, a degree, but I went and worked at Pfizer um, after I got my master's, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it, every minute of it. I love the person I worked for. I thought it was a phenomenal experience. And because of that experience, I actually applied um, to get a PhD to do research because I decided I would rather spend my time trying to cure cancer than spend all my time just treating patients that had cancer. So I went back to school. I got a PhD in immunology at the University of Connecticut Health Center. And in science, when you get your PhD, you get to spend the next few years doing what's called a postdoc. So I interviewed for a number of postdoc positions, but decided on one at the University of Illinois at Chicago, working for somebody, um, her name was Heidi Ham, And 
again, it was a phenomenal experience. Heidi actually moved from UIC to Northwestern maybe two years after I started. And I went with her to Northwestern. Um, She eventually moved from Northwestern to Vanderbilt. uh, And I didn't follow her to Tennessee, but I stayed actually in um, Chicago at Northwestern. And that's really um, my background in science. I uh, am definitely uh, a scientist through and through. It's sort of how I approach everything, very analytical. Um, I would say most of my hobbies have to do with science. You know, I like science fiction. I like science in general. So I love science fiction too. Um, you know, though, it's a, it's a jump from researching in a lot of ways to starting a company and, <laughs> yes, and, was. and running a company. So <laughs> to talk about that part of your journey. You know, um, when I worked with Heidi, uh, we started a company and uh, it was called Q Biotech and it was definitely a learning curve. So we had a technology where you could, that, that I had developed, my goal in Heidi's lab was to look at the interface between something called a G protein coupled receptor and a G protein. So it's how the cell communicates from the outside to the inside. And we had a new way to identify small molecules that would interfere with that um, communication. Um, and I'll tell you that, uh, so I've studied these G protein coupled receptors my whole scientific career, uh, and they're responsible for something like 35% of all the drugs on the market today. So they're a really popular target at pharma companies, and it wasn't a big jump to think about them as being a means by which you could make a new drug. When, right. you, when you had this this new way to do it. So we determined that we would start this company um, and I, I pretty much did that on my own. It was, it was a lot. I had to learn um, how to run a business, how to write a business plan, how, <laughs> how to get insurance, how to do paychecks, everything. You how could, to how find to it. Invoice. Right? I'd, never, I'd never taken an accounting class. Um, yeah, everything was very much learned on the fly. <laughs> Um, but it was it was a great experience. Um, we eventually raised money, VC money, and uh, moved to Wisconsin. The company changed its name from Q Biotech to Caden Biosciences, and we were there in Wisconsin uh, for a couple of years. So it was it was a phenomenal experience to to do that. Yeah! Wow, a, a great training ground, especially. Um under someone else's umbrella, so to speak, for a little while, right? So the only umbrella we were really under was Northwestern's where uh, I I had been a postdoc um, and we, the technology that we had developed, we um, leased it from um, Northwestern University. We actually uh, traded lab space for um, the company, part of the company. Uh, Ah. it It was just a great, um, it was a great experience. I, I, I really learned a lot. There's no question about it. Well, let's talk about though, your company today, my genome RX, what is that? And how did that get started? So the company itself is an online platform and it analyzes 
um, information from direct-to-consumer at-home genetic tests, and we provide the customer with information about potential drug gene interactions. So if you're taking any medications, um, how you process those medications, how long it takes you to process them, um, there are enzymes in your body that do that. And you may have uh, genetic variations that slow that down or that speed that up. And that's going to alter how much medication you have in your bloodstream. Um, so we can help analyze um, just that background DNA information for maybe what drugs you should take or what drugs you shouldn't take. How it got started was that I, I actually teach pharmacogenomics at Midwestern University uh, to pharmacy students. That's part of my uh, sort of normal day-to-day -day job. And I insist that my students actually analyze somebody's at-home DNA results, 23andMe data, um, to identify their drug gene interactions uh, and, and provide like counseling tips for them as, as part of the course. And it became really clear the very first year I taught this, uh, 10, 12 years ago, that there was absolutely no good online resource that they could go to to find that information out. So there are some free DNA sites, but they are not user-friendly. If you don't already have a strong understanding of pharmacogenomics, they are just not terribly helpful websites. So I thought, wouldn't it be great if you had some type of uh, an online platform, but I'm not a computer person at all. Um, and it turned out that I went and I gave a talk about pharmacogenomics. I've done this um, as, as part of outreach, right? I've, I've done it for Mensa. I um, went to a community biohacking event. Um, <laughs> I love and, it. That's a great and I gave a talk about pharmacogenomics and the importance of pharmacogenomics. And one of the people in the audience was Christopher Norris. And Chris is a um, computer guru. Uh, and he said, I could do that. Right. We were talking after the after my talk, we were talking and I said, you know, it's too bad that there's no online platform that you could do this. He's like, oh, I can I can do that for you. And I was like, really? Uh, we should talk. <laughs> that that is huge, because um, I have to tell you, uh, week after week, I've had guests on the show talking about the fact that they they have some sort of technology platform that they need for their company and the stumbles and the the money that it's cost them because uh, I, the, my last two guests, both of them, uh, told ta tales of woe, really, where they spent a bunch of money, developed an online platform, then realized they didn't really scope it out right, it didn't do what they needed, and then they ended up having to try to find money, a lot of money again, to redevelop the site. So kudos to you for recognizing you needed that help. Oh, definitely needed the help. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Chris is great. So Chris is uh, a Wisconsin native. Uh, he lives up in Wisconsin Dells, but we have, um, we started the company together and have, he's just phenomenal. Well, so how did you go about, though, conceptualizing 
needing a platform to, to where, you know, to what the company, and, and you should probably talk just briefly about what the company currently does offer so that, so that, sure. uh, cause I, cause I can envision that, and I'm sure we'll talk about this too, as the company, you know, what your goals are for the company and how, how you see it growing. But, um, it seems like there's, there's probably a lot of different areas that might be productive to, to, to ha- offer to, to consumers. So we started with the idea that we wanted to have an online platform and much of the information about drug gene interactions is known and very well published. So we could take that information and provide it in an algorithm manner to the computer um, so that it could analyze the data. So what happens is if you go to the website for mygenomerx.com, there is an option where you can upload your DNA. That is a raw DNA file that you get directly from the um, at-home genetic test company, be it 23andMe or Ancestry.com. And you upload that raw DNA file. And then um, our system actually goes through and looks for something that's called an RSID. So along your chromosomes, your, you know, um, at each position, you can have a different DNA sequence. It can be an A, C, G, or T depending on where it is in the sequence. And if that changes, sometimes it can change what the protein that's gonna be encoded by that DNA does. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those RSIDs help home in on uh, where the diversity is in the DNA. So uh, it's it's like a name tag, if you will. So a position Bob, if Bob has an A instead of a G, that may make the protein not work as well. And so we literally search for these RSIDs within the sequence of um, all of the information that's provided in that raw DNA file. And we're looking for, it's literally millions of uh, different RSIDs that have been identified uh, as being important because... It's interesting, if you were to have, for example, 23andMe um, testing done, and then you had Ancestry testing done, they don't test for exactly the same things. Ah, They use a different chip. um, So they look at different positions. Now, sometimes they have positions in common, but they were looking at about 600,000 RSIDs each. Um, and and there's only a few that actually overlap. So so you get different information from the different DNA tests. Oh, interesting. I I never realized that. I did ancestry at one point, but um, I didn't. I I, I knew twenty three and Me was out there, and I think there are a couple of other ones actually less well. There are. Yeah, family tree, uh, my heritage. Now we can we can look at DNA from any of the. Um, at-home testing companies with our platform. Well, I'm okay. So, but does it talk about specific kinds of drugs, families of drugs or specific drug 
drug yeah, formulation? Nope. It's, a, it's a great, it's a great question, right? So some people are on a, a specific set of drugs already, right? They may be taking drugs for hypertension or for diabetes. And if the person is on medications, they just list the medications that they're on. And the program actually specifically checks for those um, medications in conjunction with the DNA and will give them information back about whether they might want to think about taking a different drug, um, information that they can provide to their doctor that maybe they should um, look to change their medication or not. That, that's kind of mind-blowing, though, because the number of different drugs that are out there, given the number of different yes. uh, chromosomal combinations, is kind of, that. that's a, wow, that's a big yeah. data kind of project. It is. It is. It is a lot of information. Um, and, and that's why it had to be done uh, as an online platform, because it does take, you know, 30 seconds after you put in your information for the computer to do what it needs to do in the analysis. Um, but I have to say the other thing that we did, Doris, because that's great if you're on medications, but what about if you're not? Right. 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 So, so we um, initially started with two separate reports, right? Where we provided mm, sort of like, maybe you shouldn't take a statin to somebody if they're not on a drug. But we found that that's less helpful. And so what we've done now is we actually have just a single report, but we've run a set of 16 medications for everybody that gets the DNA report done. And so these include some common over-the-counter medications, things like aspirin or acetaminophen. It includes... Um, antihistamine. It includes, it's actually three antidepressants and a couple of the drugs for ADHD. Um, and, and it includes, uh, anesthetics because many times oh, yeah. people wow. don't realize they have that. an allergy to these anesthetics prior to actually going in for surgery, right? They've never had a surgery before. Um, so we check for those as well. And we check um, for one of the anti-cancer drugs that has a relatively frequent genetic variant that you should never go on this drug if you have that variant because you're at high risk uh, for toxicity. So we check that one as well. Interesting. So I guess I thought what, what, um, what the platform did was identify adverse drug interactions, but that, that's not really the goal, but I'm, does the platform flag any, any of those kinds of things? So it does. It flags where you may have potential drug gene interactions, right? Because, you know, it knows what drugs you're on as well as what genes you have. So it flags those. Um, but it also provides information about if you have, they're called star alleles. So for any of the enzymes that process your drugs that metabolize those drugs after you start taking them, um, there are some common gene variants that, that are well-known that may slow that process down or speed it up. And, and so instead of 
the, the terminology in pharmacogenomics is, is these star alleles. So instead of being star one, star one, you might be star one, star three. And that would mean that you don't process certain drugs as well as a normal person. Um, if you don't process uh, the, the drug as well, you may have more of it, right? That's going to increase your risk for toxicity then. So we flag any star alleles that are identified and, and those can be taken to your physician because they can easily use that information then to give you drugs that don't use those uh, enzyme pathways. Wow. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you're making me think, um, you know, we're hopefully coming out of the pandemic, although my personal opinion is I don't think COVID is quite done with us yet. Um, but, you know, this is, is this the kind of platform where people can say, um, you know, I, 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 I have a, a, I, I have, I know I'm immunocompromised or look at whether or not, um, a vaccine might be more or less effective on a person, or is that, is that a future iteration maybe of the company? So with the, the vaccines for COVID, those are, uh, the two that are the most common, right? The Pfizer and Moderna, those are, um, Uh, those are RNA vaccines. We're probably not going to be able to tell any information from that at all. With the Johnson and Johnson, we might be able to give some information based on what else is in the vaccine, but I can't really tell you about the vaccine itself, right? So there are some people who have allergic reactions, for example, when they take vaccines. Although I will tell you, right, for each of the vaccines that has come out, there has been information, uh, genetic information that's been identified about who is at most risk for having um, some of the adverse reactions that occurred. And and so we can include that information with our platform. Ah, Yeah. If, if the 23andMe or Ancestry has included that RSID in their chip, you know, and that's really what the limitation is, because we can only look at the information that we're given in those raw DNA files. So if 23andMe doesn't have it on their chip, then we can't look for it either. Yeah. Well, I guess it's taking this from the theoretical to maybe the more practical. Can you give some examples of how this has helped people make better decisions or uh, maybe even had, I don't know, life-changing kind of uh, moments where they realized uh, some kind of medication or some reaction they were having, they didn't, they didn't know why or didn't even realize it. Absolutely. So I think a really good example of this is statins. So many people take statin drugs, um, things like uh, uh, simvastatin or Zocor, they, they take to reduce their cholesterol levels. Right. And so one of the reasons that people don't take their statins like they should um, is because they have uh, what's called statin-associated muscle symptoms or um, SAMs, 
where they have muscle pain. Um, and that muscle pain and stiffness that they get when they take their statins, um, that's something that occurs with uh, relatively high frequency and it leads to non-adherence where people don't take the drug. And oftentimes that's caused by how the person transports actually the statin drug into their cells. Um, so because of that, there are, again, there's a gene variant that's well known um, that if you have that gene variant, you're much more likely to have the side effect of SAMs. And so you can switch the medication to a different statin that doesn't use that exact enzyme to transport the drug into cells. Um, so the person takes their statin like they should, because now it's not causing any type of an adverse effect. Oh, uh, I'll tell you the other story that's pretty common actually has to do with coding. Coding. We all know about, right. You, t you, t you take it, you, you, um, yeah, take it for my, a lot of different reasons, well, right? right? It's like, like what? I said, like it, it, when you take NyQuil or something like that. So coding is by prescription and it tends to be things like um, Tylenol 3. You might get it if you've sprained an ankle or if you had some dental surgery. They often give uh, coding. So hydrocodone. All right. Or, yes, yes. Right. So coding is an interesting drug because it has to be activated to actually get morphine so coding gets processed and becomes morphine i did not know that <laughs> if you don't that's, have that's the, wild yeah if you don't have the enzyme that actually converts coding to morphine it's not going to give you any pain relief mm. so you could take lots of coding and it's just not going to be helpful because you're not getting the morphine right because your body isn't processing the drug appropriately so the, the gene variant for that, again, is relatively common and depends very much on your sort of ethnic background. And some people actually process it too fast. So they may get pain relief, but it's gone in 30 minutes instead of two hours. And so then they need more drug, right? Quicker than other people because they've already processed all the drug right. away. That's amazing. It, well, I'm curious what, what reaction you get from physicians. I mean, the first thing that occurs to me is, wow, it might be useful to have a doctor prescribe something like this for people before they start writing a prescription for a drug. But uh, that's probably more simplistic than I realize. Uh, for I, some I'm, cases, they do require it. There are some anti-cancer drugs where they know that they're not going to be effective. And so they require, actually, it's mandated that before you start the patient on the drug, they have to be tested to be sure that they have the genetic variant that's present. So it's not completely uncommon. Many times it's being used now for um, mental health. Oftentimes the drugs for mental health take a long time to work. You have to take them for a month, oftentimes four to six weeks before you even know whether they're going to be effective or not. Right. And if they're not effective, then you have to go on another drug and wait another four to six weeks. That's a pretty long process. So some physicians are now doing 
pharmacogenomic testing prior to starting patients on drugs for mental illness, just to help determine which drugs that they might want to start with, right? If you never metabolize the drug, you know, that might not be your first choice. Right, right. Uh, So I do think it is becoming more common, but it is still, um, it's still something that is not as common probably as it should be in my opinion, right? But that's what I do, right? I teach pharmacogenomics. Very, very interesting. Let's turn to some of the challenges you faced in starting the company. I mean, it's phenomenal that you found Chris who had the computer technology database manipulation, I guess, uh, background, but I'm, I'm just astounded how you developed this concept and implemented it because I mean, taking it from all this data to literally a report that people can download and order online is, I mean, I don't think it's quite as simple as you, (laughs) you've made it sound. So talk a little bit about what happened behind the scenes and some of the challenges you faced in doing that. Well, I would say that, um, I, I would again say that Chris, in addition actually to having phenomenal computer skills, he actually has a background in biology and, and that's incredibly helpful because you have to be able, I think, to understand the biology of it to write the right code for this particular offering. Yeah. So it has helped not only that he's great at computers, but that he has a biology background. So when I talk about genetic variants, um, he knows what I'm talking about, right? So, so that really that really helps in terms of how we communicate to each other. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you one of the hardest parts actually was developing a report that anybody could read and understand because, you know, I started at the beginning. I'm a scientist. I'm a hundred percent a scientist. I talk like a scientist. I right. I mean, you're like a scientist. You're, right? you're, you roll star alleles and. <laughs> You know, chromosomal variations just kind of roll off your tongue. And for most of us, we're like, um, okay, but like, should I take this or not? You know, (laughs) it's exactly right. And so one of the biggest challenges has been to make the report so that anybody could understand it. So we use a lot of graphics uh, within the report because I think oftentimes that's easier for people to understand Uh Um, when they see it, uh, they understand sort of what I'm talking about. And so we're on, I think, at least version three, if not four of our report to, to try and really get it so that anybody could understand it, right? So oftentimes the third person in this company is um, Dimitra Gorgonopoulos, who's our uh, uh, chief business officer. Um, she'll provide it uh, to her friends and be who are non-scientists and, and say, you know, like, can you understand this? Does this make sense? You, you know? Basically doing market research on the report format. That's right. So here, let's upload your DNA. We'll give you a free report if you're willing to provide us feedback for the report itself. Did it make sense? Do you know what it says? How can we make it easier to understand? Yeah, that's that has been a huge part uh, of the company and, and how we've had to really change from the beginning for where we are now. 
How did you know there was a market for for this? I mean, you said you realized the sites that were out there were not very accessible, but how did you know there was a market for this product, these reports, and figuring out how to price the product so that people did want to go ahead and click the buy button? So, you know, I'm going to answer those in two different parts. How did I know that it was... Um, that people would want it. I, I would say, you know, I do it the same way you do any market research, what I want it, right? It, I, I had 23andMe DNA. While it's great to understand whether, you know, I have freckles or not, of course I know because I can look <laughs> in the mirror. Right. Or or that you you have some of my earwax. Norwegian, Norwegian ancestry that you wonder where it came from because nobody in the family tree seems to be Norwegian, which is interesting. But, you know, things exactly. like that. Exactly. That is exactly right. Um, what I really wanted to know was, should I take certain drugs? You know, like, do I have the genetic variant, that means I should never take 5-FU, which is this anti-cancer drug, because my brother had cancer, right? He took a 5-FU. He had side effects. Like, do I have that? So I would want to know that before, right, I'd ever start on the medication. So I realized that there was information to be had from that raw DNA file I had all the ability to analyze it because I do pharmacogenomics, but other people don't have that, right? Right. They don't know what RSIDs to look up. They don't understand which RSIDs are associated with coding or how to find them. So I thought it made absolute sense that if I wanted that information, other people would want that information too. I mean, I think almost everybody has taken a medication and had a side effect. You You know, you throw sure. up when you take it, you feel itchy all over, right? I mean, I think we've all had that. So the well, I mean, is, look why? look at the drug ads that are on TV and there's all those. Yeah, they you know, list may everything at the death, end, right? make your head, make, make your fingers fall off. I mean, I don't know. I mean, all kinds of terrible things, which comes from the drug company's clinical studies that they've done and shown that there are adverse reactions for some people. So they have to disclose those. Yep. Yes. So, I mean, it made sense to me, right, that if I wanted the information, other people would too. So that was that was easy enough, right? I assumed, I guess, that if I wanted it, other people did too. Um, as for the pricing, we looked around, we looked to see, you know, it's amazing what information you can get from these at-home DNA tests by third-party vendors, Um, they will tell you what foods you should eat, what exercises you should do. They'll match make for romance. So, oh my goodness. I didn't know. I've been going to the wrong sites. Apparently (laughs) you can get all kinds of information from your raw DNA files. And so we just looked out there to see where the price points were for the other products. You strike me as just an absolute can do person, but I'm sure there were things you had to persevere through, one of which was probably trying to figure out how to fund all this, because I'm I'm guessing the platform investment, you had to make a pretty substantial investment in the database and the platform and the generating of the report before you could really generate dollar one in terms of getting, getting people to pay for the report. I had mentioned before, 
started another company, right? So I think that having done that made it much easier for me the second time around. I knew um, potential pitfalls. I understood sort of the uh, risk that it was going to take and the hard work that was going to be required. And I, I think that really helped in terms of my whole outlook on this company. Um, Chris, who I was fortunate to meet, has also actually been part of startup companies, several startup companies. Oh, wow, that's helpful too. And again, that was incredibly helpful. And so we were able to just self-invest in the company at the beginning, the two of us. Um, we provided all of the capital that was needed. Um, we were fortunate in 2020. Um, we entered the Wisconsin, the governor's Wisconsin business plan competition, and we actually won the IT category um, in 2020. And that provided some money that has uh, helped uh, set that platform up. We actually the other thing that really helped us is because we were part of that uh, governor's business plan competition, we had to get the website up, right? You know, always having a deadline helps me. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Procrastination is the enemy of the entrepreneur. <laughs> it's true, especially when both Chris and I have other jobs, right? Other things that we're doing. And so, uh, it, it, it was required, right? We had a deadline. We had to get it done by. And, and that really helped us um, perform to our maximum, I think, ability and, and, and get it out. And at that point, it began to run itself, right? So once it was up, it was a matter of revising the actual report. Uh, that's taken us a year to get that revised edition out with the new format where we provide the information for... Um, the 15 drugs uh, for everybody. And so, again, it was a, a learning curve in terms of trying to figure out what needed to be on the report, at what level you needed to provide the information. It has to be useful for both the consumer and for the physician that they're going to take it to, probably. Yeah. We have to provide information sort of at both levels for that. So I do think that it, it it has been a process. There's no question, but I, I think I approach it just like I approach everything. You know, it's that one day at a time, one foot in front of the other kind of thing. You, I have a list. I always have a list, right? Very scientific. I have a list. I check things <laughs> off. <laughs> I mean, I think that's great advice for any entrepreneur or small business person is you definitely have to keep the longer perspective in mind and just know it's not all going to get done today or tomorrow. I'm curious how you, how customers find you, who are most of your customers and how do they, how do they find you? So currently we don't have any marketing, although we're working on that. Um, right. So you're not going to see a Facebook ad yet for us. So people that find us, find us on Google. Right. They've done a search. They've done a search for raw DNA and pharmacogenomics or um, 23andMe and pharmacogenomics. Um, and they're going to potentially find our site. Interestingly enough, and I have I've I'm, I'm only going to speak good things of Reddit. Um, I've posted responses on Reddit about when people ask for information about pharmacogenomics, about using sites like MyGenomeRx or other sites. And um, 
nearly 10% of our consumers actually come from Reddit. So I think that's been tremendously wow. helpful in terms of free advertising. You know, that, that's interesting. I, I have had people, I have seen in articles online where people say, you know, how to get known as an expert. And I always thought that, oh, you know, why should I bother to respond to Reddit? Nobody's going to read that. But you're living proof. That's just a fallacy on my part. That That is a great way for... It is a great way. And I had no idea at the beginning, right? I actually answered on Reddit because I teach pharmacogenomics. I can answer that question. Um, and, and when we realized how much business we actually get from Reddit, then I've gone and answered more questions um, because I know that that's a way that we're going to get our name out there. Yeah, it's interesting. I had uh, someone else on my show said they go on podcasts and YouTube that are relevant topics and comment. Um, uh, I had a guy not too long ago who does a lot of, um, I would say, white hat hacking. Um, he he helps companies prevent data breaches and anticipate issues with, with data security. And he said he finds a lot of his, his customers and clients through doing that. So that's kind of the same idea, right? It is because people, as they're reading, they see it and they look it up. And if they're interested, then they're going to buy, right? I mean, that's. You know, I didn't ask you, are, is any aspect of, of what you're doing regulated by the FDA or are there other, any other regulatory hurdles you had to focus on? So that is actually a great question. We are not. Uh, the reports that we provide are not regulated by the FDA because they're educational tools only. However, our data security, we had to be compliant with the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, or HIPAA. Yeah, um, okay. For protecting um, health information. So we are compliant for HIPAA in terms of our data security, but we don't have to worry about the FDA. Oh, well that, that's a relief at least. Um, it is, it's, it's, um, there's a big hurdle to become, if we want to be accredited by the FDA for our, our type of reports. Yeah. Spending a lot of time in biotech and med tech, I can definitely speak for that. It's killed a lot of <laughs> A lot of healthcare startups along the way. Um, how has your business grown since you started? Talk a little bit about that. So we're very much still starting, I would even say. Um, we've been up for not quite two years in terms of our website. Uh, our website went up in uh, June of 2020, at the beginning of June in 2020. So we're not even quite two years. We are thankfully cash positive and have been for a year. Good uh, for you. Congrats. So the reports that we provide pay for all of the data security that's required uh, to house them, but we get new users every day. Um, we have uh, from our first year, we're nearly triple sort of our daily rate of um, viewers to the website. So that's great. That is great. We're still relatively young, right? We're still learning. We're still trying to figure out 
how best to grow? What's the best marketing strategy? Do we need to go to Facebook or Twitter? How do we do that? Do I post blogs on YouTube about pharmacogenomics? Like what's the best way that we get out there so that people see the value um, of our report? Well, that triple the, the visitors is a phenomenal statistic, given the fact that you've already said you really aren't doing any traditional marketing yet. How are you sorting through the marketing piece of it? Because the dilemma you described, I think, is one that a lot of startup companies face, which is you could spend your entire day going out there and posting blogs and (laughs) engaging people on LinkedIn and having Facebook groups and, you know, doing Instagram and uh, I don't know, Pinterest and go down the line. There's so many options. How are you sorting through that process? So I I think I do it the same way that I approach the company itself, which is would I use it, right? Do I go there? Which is not always the best, right? Because I'm old in terms of... um, <laughs> in terms of the, well, if you're old, I'm fact, older. The so fact that I even said that I use Facebook tells you that I'm old. Right? I'm, <laughs> like I said, kids, Annette, if you're old, I'm older. So just you know, keep that. In my mind. kids think I'm hysterical because I use Facebook, right? So what I need to be using is Instagram and uh, TikTok. So right? TikTok, there you go. <laughs> I haven't yet figured out how to get to pharmacogenomics and TikTok, but. I think in some ways, though, many people that come to our website come for a reason. They've had a bad experience when they've taken a drug and they want to know why. I think sometimes they're getting to us because of something. Mm -hmm. Uh, It could be that they've recently started on an antidepressant and it is not effective for them. Right. And so they've come across the website because they've looked for keyword searches in terms of like drug interaction or, or side effect that have led them to our website. Yeah. And I'm sure people uh, struggle with trying to find answers for their kids or their elderly parents or, um, you know, other important people in their lives who are struggling. And I think the more people that have DNA tests done, the at-home DNA tests done, the more people will ultimately use the service, right? So as that becomes more and more common, people give it to their spouses for Valentine's Day or they provide it to their parents, right? Yeah, Um, like me, I've I've, uh, begged my cousins to do it because... You know, I've seen things in my family tree or my my genetic history. I'm like, where where did this come from? So I've been reaching out to cousins to say, hey, would you, you know, would you get the test done? Because I'm dying to find out, was this on my mom's or my dad's side? Yep. Yeah. I had a friend that found out she was actually adopted, right? Having done 23andMe, had no idea. Wow. So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I think I think there've been all kinds of surprises, right? When people have done um, 23andMe or Ancestry.com and followed up with a GED match. And I, I think that this is just sort of another tool in the toolbox that they can like have information that would be valuable to them. So where do you see the business growing? I know you're just getting started, but 
you know, look out two to three years from now. If the company is successful and heads where you'd like it to go, what, what will it look like? What will it be doing? Well, I think as we earn more money from sales, we'll have, we'll directly invest that back into the company so that we can market. Um, I think that's a sort of a ever growing ripple effect. Um, I, I think, I, I hope, right, that the triple of users that we've seen in the last year will triple again or even higher. Um, I think the likelihood of us being bought by a larger company is pretty high. Uh, I think whether it's a at-home DNA testing company that's trying to differentiate themselves from sort of the big dogs um, or whether it's um, a company like a nutrigenomics company that's wanting to offer a second business, uh, I think it's just likely. Well, there are certainly other kinds of things that you might be able to do with this kind of database idea, right? There are. I mean, it occurs to me drugs aren't the only thing. It could be, it could be vaccines. It could be nutritional supplements. It could be cancer. It could be, it could yeah. Be, it could be different types of DNA, right? It could be your dog's DNA. <laughs> I didn't think about that, but yeah, I could. Why not? Well, because I mean, many times, right? You have your animal, your companion animal at home DNA testing is now done on those animals for the same reason to tell you what kind of species it is, right? What breed um, your dog is, but that can be used to determine um, its uh, treatment for cancer, for example. Oh, and that, you know, that's so important as a a longtime dog and horse owner, um, you know, it's, it's, and having talked to a lot of veterinarians, the challenge for uh, the whole veterinary world is that you have patients who can't tell you right. what's going on, not That's directly. Right. I mean, so if it makes them hurt, you, you don't even always know it, right? You, you don't always know the side effects that they're experiencing. So that makes piecing together treatment for animals even more challenging. Sure. When they're not eating, is that because the, you know, they're having GI upset or is it lethargy? You know, like you right. don't really understand what's the underlying mechanism there. Absolutely. No, I, you know, there are a lot of um, growth patterns that the company could take. We've thought about moving into whole genome sequencing. So what we look at now has to do with at-home DNA testing, but whole genome sequencing is certainly going to be the wave of the future where instead of just looking at a few pieces of your DNA, they look at the entire genome. Right. Um, and there are companies that now offer that. And so there are no pharmacogenomic companies that actually look at that information and provide that back to the consumer. So wow. I just as we've, ex, you know, done this for at-home testing, you could do it for whole genome sequencing as well. Wow, I see why you say someone might very well be interested, some bigger company, because there are a lot of different ways this could go. Um, what, you know, what amazing insights you've had to be able to get this started and get it to a place where um, people start to see the possibilities. And that looking back on your journey, 
I guess both for both of your companies, what advice would you offer to other entrepreneurs who are either thinking about starting out or have already started, but maybe have hit a few bumps in the road? So I wrote a piece for Springboard, which helped me when I started my first company. It's a group that's specifically targeting women entrepreneurs. And they asked me to write a piece about advice that I might give. And my advice then, and my advice now is the same and it's to grasp the nettle. So it's, that's a British phrase. Um, It means to really tackle a difficult problem and do it boldly. So jump in with both feet. You have to believe in what you do and, and just go for it. So I think that you have to accept the challenges that you're going to have. You have to just um, resign yourself to the fact that you're going to be tired. Uh, You're never going to have enough time that, that there are going to be 101 things that you have to do and you're only going to get to 30 of them and you're, and you just do it. You just go after it a hundred percent. Great advice. If people are interested in, getting a report or learning more about my genome RX, or maybe you said something else that sparked an interest. How should they reach you? So I'm always available by email. Um, my email is Annette, which is a N N E T T E at my genome R X. So M Y G E N O M E R X.com. So Annette at my genome You can always find me. Yeah, so check out the site. It's really well done. And um, there's some very interesting FAQs and other information out there on the site that I found. So check it out, folks. So, Annette, thanks so much for being with me today. I really appreciate you being on the show and taking the time out of your day to share a little bit about My Genome RX and uh, your journey as an entrepreneur. Thanks, Doris. I appreciate you having me. And thank you to all my listeners. You're the reason I do this. You can find more helpful information and resources for startups and small businesses on my consulting website, which is globalocityservicesplural.com. Or I'm starting to populate more and more on my new radio show dedicated site called thesavvyentrepreneur.org. You'll find there a growing library of podcasts, blogs, Uh, other tools for businesses and entrepreneurs. My door is always open. I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me at dnagel, N-A-G-E-L, at thesavvyentrepreneur.org. If you have questions, comments, want to be a guest on the show, or just want to shoot the breeze, be sure to join me again next week at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern time, when I'll have another guest and topic. But until then... I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneuring.